Check, check, one, two. Check, check, one, two.
Church, we want to welcome you guys to service this morning. As we go into this time of worship, we would love for you to stand with us.
thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you never leave our side. Can we sing this out to him today with the king of my heart?
Jesus, we just want to thank you, God. We want to thank you for your provision. God, you never let us down. You've never let us stray, God. God, I thank you for being a rock, a solid rock that we can build our foundation upon each and every single day, that we can choose you, God, that you give us the will to choose you, God. I thank you for your love, for your sacrifice, and for everything that you do for each and every one of us, day in and day out. God, we love you. And in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before we um, get started, I just want to stay just in a moment of reverence. Um, I'm sure we've all seen the news this week and heard about all the things that have been going on in our world. And it's sometimes we sing songs like that and we have those moments in the back of our mind where we see what's going on in the world and we wonder. How can you be a good God? How can you be a good father? And these things happen. And I think it's in these moments that we have to realize that humans sometimes carry a lot of evil in their hearts. And it's in these moments that we have to realize that that is not the heart of our Father God. He wants us to live and thrive and be loved. And so much of what we're seeing in our world today is the opposite of that. And so before we get started, I just want to take a moment and just acknowledge the suffering and the pain that so many families are going through right now. There's been so much loss just in, in the last two weeks alone. So many lives lost. And um, we just want to say as a church that we're praying for you if you've lost a loved one to the families that are spread out across this nation that have lost loved ones, whether it be through COVID or for the shootings that have been happening. We're with you and we love you. And um, I think it would just be appropriate for us to take a moment to just mourn those lives lost and to ask God to bring peace to our nation. So if you wouldn't mind just holding out your hands for just a moment and just committing just some, some moments of silence for these families and to ask God to heal our nation. Father, it's in these moments when we don't even have the words to say we don't know what to say sometimes, God. But we know that your heart goes out for each of these families. Your heart wants to see restoration. Your heart wants to see us acting in brotherly love. So God, we pray for healing for this nation. We pray for peace for the families who've lost loved ones. We pray that you would surround them with your love and support. We pray that we would be a shining example of love and that we would do what we can to be a part of sharing that love. God, we say sorry for anything that we've done this week that may perpetuate ideas of hatred towards any other person. And we ask you, Lord, to use us as a voice of love and hope in our community. We love you. 
don't normally love to start church on such a sad note, but I think it's important that we acknowledge when things are going on in our world and that we're here and praying as a church family for those people who've lost loved ones. Um, if this is your first time here, maybe you're coming and you're like, who are these people? <laughs> um, I just want to say, normally we want to just welcome you on a happier note, but like I said, we want to acknowledge those moments as well. Um, but if this is your first time, or if you are, you've been here a hundred times, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, whether you're here in person or you're watching us online. We're just so happy that you're here and you're a part of this family. Um, if you have not gotten to connect with us or you've got questions about who we are as a church, we have this thing called the connection card, and we would love for you to fill it out. So if you're online, just click on the link in the chats and go ahead and fill out that connection card, and we'd love to answer any questions that you have and get you plugged in to either a group or serving or just sit down and have coffee with one of us. We would love to get to know you and hear your story. And if you're here in person, you can meet us over at the booth right here, and we've got a connection card and we've got a little gift for you as well. Um, one of the ways that you can get connected is soon we would like to be doing baptisms. We know that God has done a lot, and um, especially I've been getting reports of people giving their lives to Jesus over the last few weeks. And so if that's you, if you've recently given your life to Jesus, or you've been a Christian for a while and you just have not taken the time to be baptized, there's never been a better time than now. So if that's you, you can sign up by clicking on that connection card link that I just told you about or by meeting us over at the booth. Um, also, this is my favorite part of the service. Before we go in, uh, so many of you can probably hear or see if you're here in person how windy it is today. And ironically, today is National Fly a Kite Day, right? What a great day to fly a kite. Or maybe a terrible day to fly a kite. You might lose it. I don't know. But actually, it kind of worked out well for this day. So every, uh, every week before we head into the message, we do a 30-second question where you just take 30 seconds and turn to the person next to you and answer this question and get to know one another. Or if you're online, you just type it into the chats. And that's our way of getting to know another. So since today is National Fly a Kite Day, where do you like to go to fly a kite? strange Sunday. It really is. Uh, it's, sorry, we usually have tents up uh, for you guys here. <laughs> it's so funny to see like you scattered where there's like patches of shade. Uh, kudos to you providing the shade. It's gonna be fun to see you guys shift as, uh, as this progresses. Usually we have tents up for you guys, but we thought that uh, they may become projectiles in the neighborhood if, uh, if we put those up. So apologize. It's kind of a unique, you know, you want a breezy kind of Sunday if it's going to be warmer like today. Uh, but we didn't mean this. Like, it was funny when we were singing that last song, and it says, God be the wind in our sails. I was like, ah, I'm not going to pray that one too hard uh, today. As we were <laughs> circling out the worst team in production, we were praying be right before service started. Like, ten minutes, no, five minutes before service started. 
Um, and this huge gust of wind came, knocked over that camera, broke the light on top of it, knocked this uh, laptop, the one that kind of runs everything, knocked that to the ground. Uh, so, you know, it's been a great Sunday. It's been awesome so far. So welcome. Welcome to <laughs> Voice Church. Hey, we're in the, uh, in the middle of this series uh, where we're going through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, I'm waiting for, like, umbrellas to fly. Okay, we're good so far. All right, here we go. Um, yeah, we're in this, in this series going through the Gospel of Luke. And the reason why we're taking so long to go through the Gospel of Luke, we're in Luke chapter let's see, 16 yeah, today. And the reason why we're taking so long is because there's so many misconceptions around what the character of God is like, the values of Jesus. And if you were to take a, uh, just go on the street of people that are not at church this morning and ask them, give me some adjectives that would describe Christians, evangelical Christians, what adjectives would you use? And I don't know if they would be love, joy, peace, kindness, humility, teachability, other-centered, gracious, empathetic. All the stuff we see in the character of God, I don't know if that's the adjectives they would use. And the main reason why they wouldn't use those is, is the character uh, of us Christians. Uh, and so we want to go back and go, okay, you know what? Here, here is what Jesus actually is like. And all a gospel really is, a gospel is a firsthand account of someone uh, talking about what Jesus did and what Jesus said. So we're going through that. Today is actually a really interesting uh, story. Jesus tells a story about the afterlife. He talks about the trappings of a life uh, that's focused only on pursuing wealth. So he talks about the trappings of that, and really he hones in on what is life after this life? Like, what is life after this life? Which is a really important thing for all of us because, you know, the latest stats that we're reading is that 10 out of 10 people die. So 100 years from now, all of us are going to be gone, most likely. And so it's important for us to consider what is life after uh, this life. And so we're going to dive right in because we actually have a good amount of stuff to cover. Uh, it's Luke chapter 16, verse 19. Uh, your Bibles may have this section titled, The Rich Man and Lazarus. The Rich Man and Lazarus. This, this has nothing to do with Jesus' friend Lazarus. Uh, I guess it was a popular name back then, like Taka is today here. Uh, sweet Lord, I'm just waiting for something. A car to, oh, oh. Okay, praise God. We're just going to go with whatever happens. Today, uh, we're telling Melinda that the new position on the productions team is someone hanging from the middle of the tent, just making sure it doesn't <laughs> fly away. Praise God. If you're watching online today, you're, missing, you're really missing out on an adventure uh, that is Voice Church today. Okay, so here's what it says. Verse uh, 19, we're going to test our attention spans, including myself. Verse 19, it says, There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate, and this isn't the gate to the city, this is the gate to his property, right? So it's that kind of uh, place. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores, and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. So let's dive into this uh, for a second. You have a rich man, no name. You know, it's not like, here's a rich man named Travis. You guys all know him. It's, it's not that. It's just a, a rich man unnamed. He has beautiful clothes. He's got a lavish lifestyle. He's wearing purple. And what purple signifi signifies is royalty. Do you know why it signifies royalty? It wasn't because it was at the end of Roy G. Biv. Like, purple signified royalty because it was a very expensive color to create. The dyes needed to create purple were just very rare, and scarcity brings value just like anything else. So in those times, purple was very rare. And so if you were wearing purple, it was an outward uh, expression of your bank account. 
Essentially, everyone knew, and you were flaunting that, hey, I, I, got, some, I got some zeros at the end of my uh, bank account. So he was wearing purple. He says that he's wearing linen. Now, linen is not most likely his outer garments. Linen is most likely his undergarments. So <laughs> he's got expensive underwear. Let's put it that way. Okay, that's what linen uh, means. He's got lavish underwear. This guy is stylish. He's even got Gucci briefs. Like he is a power dresser. This is what this guy is like. But the thing is, he's totally detached from his community. He's totally detached from even the person begging at his, the entrance to his property. Now he's not named. He's not named because most commentators believe, I, actually essentially every comment, commentary I read on this believes the same thing is that this doesn't represent an actual rich person. What it represents is the trappings of a life that's focused on pursuing wealth. What this guy represents is the voice in your head that says, if you just get this, if you just do this, if you just attain this, then you've made it. You're quote unquote successful. You have arrived. And what this guy represents is someone who has arrived. He's made it, but there's a cost. Now here's the thing, wealth isn't wrong. Wealth isn't wrong. This church exists. So much good in the world happens because people that have financial means use those for kingdom purposes. Wealth isn't wrong. It's just another responsibility to steward, right? We all have different responsibilities. All of us have unique responsibilities to steward. Some of you guys are incredible leaders. We see this all the time, right? And the, the funny thing is the people that are the most natural leaders don't, they aren't cocky about it. Some are, you know who you are, right? But so many of the, of the best leaders I've ever met aren't. You, you, just, you, don't, you just realize that when you walk into a room, the temperature changes. You realize that your words weigh more than other people's words. Someone can give a suggestion and then you give a suggestion, the exact same one, but somehow they listen to you and you don't know why. Well, you have just natural leadership. You have just natural influence right? You're usually the, the youngest p person in the group, on the team. You don't know why. You don't know why you get promoted. You don't know why you get pulled. Because you, you have a natural leadership ability. People used to tell me, man, you're so young. No one says that anymore. But some of you guys have this natural leadership ability. Some of you guys, you're craftsmen, you're builders. You can see something and you can create it. I think of guys like Gabriel Sue. I think of like Tiffany Orta. You guys can like create things like you see something on pinterest you make it and then actually looks like the thing on pinterest and you're like what's the big deal uh it's a big deal because if we tried that if most of us tried that it'd be like a pinterest fail it looks nothing like the thing but you can create your builder well why because it's a natural god-given gift some of you guys are designers and there's so many people at the church videographers print design web design like you guys can like interior design, you guys are so good. You naturally can see what's not and what could be and how to get there. You can see tweaks and what, what, what things to do. And now the, 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 the space, the brochure, the website is beautiful. I, I don't get it, but it's so natural to you. And if, you, if you're a designer, you're going, why doesn't everybody see this? I don't know. I'm just as frustrated about it as you are, but you get it. And again, there's so many people, I can name so many names that are part of the church. If there's anything cool in this church, it's because of those of you guys that are designers. 
but you have a natural God-given gift. Some of you guys are extremely organized. It was funny, last week we were having a meeting with uh, JP and Kathy and Skylar at the house talking about worship transition, and Kathy's like, I love administration. I love like spreadsheets and organizing teams and all this kind of stuff. And then we asked Skylar what she would like to do, and she's like, that just sounds terrible. Like she can do it, but it's like totally draining, which I totally get because it's me too. But some of you guys are super organized. Some of you guys aren't. Some of my best friends in this world are so talented in other areas, but could not organize a one-man parade, right? But some of you guys are super organized. You're like, what's the big deal? Just put the spreadsheet together. Just put, just put them into groups. Why is it so hard? I don't know. It just is. It's not life-giving, but it's life-giving to you. Why? Why do I bring all these things up? Because they are gifts from God. Those are gifts from God. And there's a ton of other things. Some of you guys are surgeons. You guys are teachers. You guys understand finances. Like you guys are talented in different ways. And that's a gift from God. So the question is, how do you hone those gifts and use them in a way that's worship back to God? Because God gave you the gift. Now your job is to hone it to be as useful as possible for God's kingdom. There's a verse, Psalm 33, verse three, that says, sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings. Play skillfully, not wing it. Play skillfully on the strings. You know, throughout the week, the worship team is getting their, the songs for the week and they're practicing their parts. Why? So they can get on American Idol? No, none of us are going downstate. The reason why they're doing that is so that when you worship, you're not distracted. They want to play skillfully so that when you worship, you're not going, oh, God, help. Wait, wait, why, why does that sound like that? What are they saying? Why are they playing that? You're not distracted by worship. It's actually creating an environment where you can connect with God. Right? So it says play skillfully on the strings. In other words, whatever gift God's given you, do it well. Do it well. Be the best you can be. Right? And then it says this. It says, with loud shouts. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Kind of just side note. This wasn't on the agenda to talk about, but kind of side note. Loud shouts, man. Loud shouts. Worship is not meant to be passive. Worship is not just a listening experience. You're not at a coffee shop listening to the singer-songwriter while you sip your latte. Worship is something to be engaged in. Worship is, the, the worship is leading us for us to participate in. And here's the thing. You may have a terrible voice. God loves it. The person sitting next to you might not, but it's okay. It's okay. Worship with abandon. If they can't handle your voice, they can move, right? So, but sing, and I just want to encourage you to just sing. It's a biblical thing. Sing with abandon. So here's the thing. God gives us gifts. Whatever your gifts are, maybe I named them, maybe I didn't, but God gives you gifts. That's grace. Now, when we use the gifts for him, that's worship. God gives you gifts. There's certain things that you can do. One of my friends, Chad, would call your unfair advantage. That's your gifts, the things you're good at. It's naturally from God. Using those gifts for God, that's worship. That's worship. And some of you, why am I bringing that up in light of what this is talking about with this rich man? Is that some of you guys, your gift, you have the unique set of abilities to acquire wealth. You just get it. You could lose all your money today and you'd figure out a way to get back to where you are in short order. You just have the ability to make wise financial decisions. And you're going, what's hard about it? He's got to do X, Y, Z. I don't know, but you get it. You get it. And there's a verse 
a passage that I want to read to you because you may say, man, you know what, Taka, this, that's not a gift from God. I wake up early. I grind. I hustle. I got degrees. I got connections. I go to the network meetings. I, it's not a God thing. It is a me thing. Well, let me read Deuteronomy 8, uh, 17 through 19. It says this, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my, strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God. But remember the Lord your God. What's so interesting about this is that adversity, hard times make you remember God, right? Post-traumatic uh, situations like a 9-11. You know the Sunday after 9-11 was the largest attended Sunday in recent history? Why? Because everyone realized, man, there are things outside of our control. We need something outside of us. Adversity always helps you remember God. It's interesting. Prosperity, though. Prosperity can cause you to forget God. So it says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me, but remember the Lord your God. The natural propensity is to forget God and prosperity, but remember the Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and so confirms his covenant, which is swore to your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and worship and bow down to them, I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed. Now, that's not a doom and gloom. Like give money to God or else you're going to like be destroyed. Look, I don't think any of you guys, and maybe you are, but I don't think any of you guys have never been to your homes and seen like carved idols. I've never seen you guys like, uh, you know, make gold statues with dollar signs and you worship it in the corner, right? So you're like, well, talk about this, that, that's not for me. I don't worship idols. An idol is not something you keep in the cabin in the corner that you worship. An idol is anything you put above God. An idol is anything you put your trust in more than God. Anything you put your hope in more than God. Anything you find as your source of peace more than God, then you can find out who your idols are, that when they're threatened, your peace is disrupted. So when you don't have peace, what's being disrupted? That thing is in competition to be an idol in your life. So this can be money. It can be a career. It can be sports. Those things are important. They are important. I pray often that you'd all become Cubs fans. This is an important thing. But in their right place, is your career important? Yes. Are your finances important? Of course. You need to eat and live and give. Yes. But they're not the most important thing. And the rich man in this story was focused on living lavishly and leveling up his level of luxury. And then on the other side, you have Lazarus. You have Lazarus who's ignored by people in power and influence. And you notice that the rich man is called the rich man, but Lazarus has a name? I just think that's really interesting. That the, the community around him, the people of power, the people with influence, the people that could literally change Lazarus's life don't even know his name. He's just forgotten. They walk right by him. But God knows his name. God knows him. God sees him. And I just felt encouraged to tell all of you that the same goes for you. That for whatever reason, if you feel forgotten, if you feel like God doesn't know you, and now here's the thing, that's just, that, that doesn't matter how much money is in your bank account, you could have a bunch of zeros on the wrong side of the decimal point and feel like, man, I'm not important, I'm not successful because I got overlooked or whatever. 
God sees you. But can I tell you on the other side too? You may, you may have all checked all the boxes. You may be quote unquote successful. You've, you got all the things. But you know more than anybody the emptiness when thing after thing doesn't fill your soul because one of the most important gaps you have to fill is the gap between you and God. And there's nothing you can buy. And just the thing that you thought, man, if I got this, the promotion, the job, the title, the thing that I'd feel, but then give it a few weeks. It's just another thing. Maybe you are in that situation. You've checked all the boxes and you're going, I don't know what to do. One of my favorite artists is John Mayer. One of my favorite songs he has is uh, Something's Missing. You guys know that song? Where he goes through and he goes, you know, microphone, check, guitar, check, opposite sex, check. And he says, something's missing. JP's literally singing right now. <laughs> He's like, something's missing. Something's missing. And we all feel that. We all feel that. See, God doesn't just see your clothes, whether they're awesome or they're not. God doesn't see the, the neighborhood you live in. God doesn't see the, 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 the job you have, the income you have alone. God sees you. God sees you. Sometimes, sometimes when things are going great, it's just as easy to be overlooked. Sometimes you have all the right clothes. You have all the right stuff, but inside you're hurting and no one knows. You can have all the right stuff and everyone thinks you're fine, but you are the loneliest person. No one really knows you. And I kind of tell you, God knows you. God knows you. And he wants to use you to make a difference. So back to Lazarus. He's ignored by society, but he's seen by God. He's laying at the gate. You know Lazarus's biggest hope? Lazarus' biggest hope is that he's longing, in quotes, longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Can you imagine being in a position that I just want to eat what falls from that guy's table? I don't know about you, but when I eat now, not much falls off my table, right? When we, our kids were little, I, would, I don't know if you guys feel this when you had little kids or when you have little kids now. When we had little kids and we'd go to like the Asian restaurant, because you know, and they would eat rice. And I'd have to give the biggest tip to the waitstaff because I don't even know if they ate any rice. By the amount of rice that was on them, on the chair, under the chair, smeared under the table, all over the floor. I'm like, did you actually even eat anything? So, I mean, there's a lot that fell off the table there, but how much is falling off a grown man's table? Yet this guy is in such a desperate position that even if crumbs fall off this guy's table, he's set. That's his, that could make his day. That's how desperate he is. And then it says that even the dogs came and licked his sores. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. A couple random thoughts with this is I love dogs. I love dogs because I'm a Christian, right? So I'm not really a cat person because I just don't get it, right? But I, I love dogs. But dogs do some gross things. They lick some weird things, right? I mean, when, when I, I, I'm the kind of person that sweats. And you guys, I sweat when you work out like a lot. Like I stretch and I'm already sweating, right? JB's like, yeah, yeah, right? So what my dog does, I think my dog is like licking me, encouraging me like, yeah, you can do it. No, I think my dog is tasting me. Like, it's like licking my, he's like, she is like licking my legs and my face and keeps licking. The other day I was, I was sitting on the couch and my, my t-shirt was sweaty from working out and she's just licking my t-shirt. And it's got real awkward after a while. And then she like goes and like kisses the girl. That's just weird. So one thing, dogs are weird. Okay, that's a little side note. Everything is, 
I wonder if this was the only living contact this beggar had. Everyone ignores him. But I wonder if he's like, yeah, it's, it's really weird that this dog is, these dogs are licking me, but at least it's contact. So you have a rich man who has everything. Has everything by worldly standards. You have a Lazarus who has nothing. They both die. The story continues, verse 22. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he calls him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. And so in this, in this story, I don't think this is actually how heaven and hell are set up. I don't think that's what this story is meant to tell. But you have Lazarus brought to Abraham's side. We'll talk about that in a second. And then you have this great chasm and you have the rich man over on this side. What's so interesting is the rich man who is in Hades, which translated hell in New Testament, he would tell, he asked Abraham, can you send Lazarus? Can you send Lazarus to dip his finger in water and just put it on my tongue because I'm in that much agony? It's so weird that there's so much, so much hidden bias within this rich man that even in death, he thought he could order Lazarus around. Even with this major role reversal, even though he's literally in hell, he's like, hey, 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 uh, can you send Lazarus? Have him bring me some water just amazing to me. Lazarus is so poor that the story doesn't even give him a proper burial. It just says that he died and he was taken to Abraham, Abraham's side. But the rich man is given a burial. Now Abraham represents, is a figure like of God's promise, of God's blessing, if you read the Old Testament, right? A symbol of God's covenant. The rich man's taken to Hades. You have this huge role reversal. You have this, in life, this rich man who had everything and ignored God. And then you had, in death, he has nothing nothing and God is ignoring him. In life, Lazarus had nothing, but now in death, he has God's blessing. And you have this rich man who feigns humility. Oh, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Have pity on me. See, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. I want you to think about that. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. And what that means is That'll happen one day. God was nowhere on this rich man's radar until this moment. And all of a sudden he's like, have pity on me. Oh, Father Abraham. He's obviously understanding in that moment what's really at play. See, on the other side of eternity, we're all going to see with clarity. On the other side of eternity, we're all going to see, oh, I need to bow down. There's a great God that I need to bow down to. And whether that moment when you see God face to face on the other side of eternity, whether that's a moment of great joy or a moment of great despair will be, will be determined by how you live now on this side of eternity. That's why we as a church family, look, we do social good. We believe in equality and justice and doing good in the community. We believe in education. We believe in equity and equality. But you know what? Those all come secondary. They're not unimportant. They are important, but they're not the most important. What's most important to us as, as a church family is what you're going to be feeling a hundred years from now, a thousand years from now. We're going to focus on that too. Now, equity and equality and justice and good, those come as a natural byproduct when you put God first. But what's more important is what happens on the other side of eternity. 
Because in that moment, when you die, when you take your last breath, what's going to happen to all of us and you see Jesus face to face, in that moment, you're going to be concerned with one thing, man. One thing. Have I received Christ's forgiveness? Did I surrender everything to him? And am I doing everything I can to help others surrender to him too? Verse 25. So he pleads with Abraham, hey, can you send Lazarus? Can you have him bring me some water? And Abraham replies, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and him, there's a great chasm that's been set in place so that those who want to go from here to, to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. Verse 27, the rich man answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family. Again, send Lazarus. Hey, okay, fine. Can you run another errand for me then? Can you run to my family? For I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to him. So Abraham's like, look, they got teachers. They got people telling them about the afterlife. And then the rich man replies, no, Father Abraham. He said, but if someone from the dead goes to them like Lazarus, they will repent. Abraham replied, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Even if someone rises from the dead, what is Jesus talking about? Obviously, he's giving prophecy right here of what's going to happen. That, you know what, I'm going to die and rise from the dead and people still won't believe. Worship me, you can go ahead and come on back up. Um, all of a sudden, all of a sudden in this moment, the rich man's priorities are turned upside down. All of a sudden, he realizes five things, five things. One, there's so much more going on than what I was focused on. There's so much more going on than I was focused on. I was focused on my career and pursuit of luxury, but there's so much more going on that I had no idea. Secondly, heaven is real. I know it's not PC to say, and even more so, three, hell is real. That's really not PC to say. There's so much more going on. Heaven is real. Hell is real. Number four, what I do now impacts eternity. What I do now impacts eternity. Number five, the most important thing is that my friends and family know this. The most important thing is that my friends and family know this. And Boyce Church family, it's the same with us. One day we will see God face to face. That's what this whole story is about. One day we're going to see God face to face and we're going to realize, one, there was so much more going on than we realized. And it's not that it's bad to focus on your physical fitness or equality. It's not bad to focus on your career. It's not, it's not bad to focus on all this stuff, but not as the main thing. We're all going to realize one day that, man, there's so much more going on than I thought. We're going to realize that heaven is real. We're going to realize hell is real. We're going to realize that what we do on this side of eternity impacts the other side. And we're going to realize that the most important thing is that my friends and family know this too. And so here's the thing. If all of us are going to have that realization one day, if we know that's going to happen one day, then why not live like it's true now? Why not live like it's true now? Why not do what one day you're going to be glad you did? The big question I want you to wrestle with this week, I want it to bother you this week. 
is what would it look like for me to, to live as if that's true? That there's so much more going on I don't realize. That, that heaven is real. That hell is real. That what I do now impacts eternity. And the most important thing is that my friends and family know this. What would it look like for you to live as if that is true now? Some thoughts. If you're not a Christian right now, if you're not following Christ, for whatever reason, you got questions, you got doubts, you've been hurt, you're not a Christian because you met some Christians, you're not a Christian because you did business with some Christians, right? You're not a Christian because you used to go to church. I get it. Whatever the reason is, maybe it's time. Maybe it's time to surrender your life to Him. Maybe you used to go to church and you still attend someone. You're watching online, you're here in person, but if you're honest in your heart of hearts, you've drifted or at best you're on autopilot. It's time to recommit. Recommit your heart to Him and live for Him fully. Maybe you're currently a Christian. Are you using your gifts, your talents? Are you using your finances? Are you using your relationships to build His kingdom or yours? Are you using your talents, your finances, your relationships, your gifts? Are you using them to help people meet God, to encounter God? Or are you like the rich man, just focused on living in the stuff that you have every day? Again, focusing on your career, your finances, your house, your clothes, none of that stuff is bad. I think like a good heavenly father, he wants you to have nice things, just like any of us parents would want our kids to have nice things, as long as they don't become entitled and self-centered, right? I debated whether to put this part or not, but I'm just gonna say it. If you get mad, you can email me, we'll talk about it. Do you know how you can tell when something has priority over your relationship with God? It's when they're pitted against each other, who wins? It's easy to write a check for something you think is important. But I heard years ago when I was in youth ministry, one of my friends said, man, 100 bucks seems so small when you go to the mall. But it seems like so much when God asked me to give it. Like, yeah, it really does. See, you may say, I, I, I wanna go to church. I wanna attend church faithfully, but I got these other obligations. You're seeing conflict. I, I, I want to tithe, but I also wanna buy this. confrontation. I, I want to go to a small group because I know I need community. Now more than ever, we need community. I, I need to find a group of people because I, I want to learn how to live this thing out. I want to learn how to read the Bible. And But man, I got softball. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying those things are bad. And I, and I really wrestle with saying this, but man, and I know things aren't black and white. They're not. There's a whole lot of gray and I get that. But what I'm trying to tell you is that one day it'll be crystal clear. One day it'll be a whole lot more black and white than we speak to today. And I just want you to go there. I want you to mentally go there. Just the split second after you take your last breath and go in that moment, you see Jesus face to face and you're going, oh crap. And you're gonna realize 
there's so much more that was going on than I was focusing on. That heaven is real, that hell is real. That what I do on this side of the this side of eternity impacts the other side of eternity. And the most important thing is that my friends and family know about this. In that moment, what will you wish you had done on this side of eternity? How will you wish you had lived on this side of eternity? And I just want to challenge you. Just do that. Do that. What would it look like for me to live as if this were true? Because when we lean into this, we can really change lives as a church family. When we push all of our time, our talents, our gifts to the middle and we say, God, reach people through me. We put all our chips in the middle and we say, God, reach people through me. Then we become a church that God can use to change lives. That's what this whole experiment called Voice Church is. This is a group of people saying, hey, Natalie and I are all in. Who else is in? Not to create a brand, not to create a social media account, not to create a following, but to put a tribe together that says, I'm all in. I want my, everything I have to be used to reach people. And if you're in, that's what we're about here as a church. And if that's not for you, and if you're like, man, I just kind of want to sing some songs and I don't want to be challenged. I want to hear an inspirational message and I want to go home. Then, man, you're going to be really uncomfortable hearing voice because we're going to really challenge you to, to follow Jesus. And when Jesus says to surrender, we're actually going to really challenge you to surrender. That's more, it's, it's about more than just singing songs and listening to a teaching and going home and not changing anything. It's not the way God has called us to live. And so in humility... I'm saying I'm in here this, I'm in the same situation with you. By myself, to my own intentions, I am selfish. By my own intentions, it's all about me. The universe revolves around me. By myself, I am so materialistic. I am so discontent. But then God is constantly pulling me back to, yeah, 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 I know you want to get that, but what about this? What about this? What are you going to be glad you did? So... Let me pray for us. I know this is hard, especially in Orange County. The pull is strong. I get it. I get it. And I'm just saying that God has called us to more. God has called us to better. Because the reality is, there's a bunch of people that Jesus loves that don't know him yet. Church is not for us, guys. Church is not for us. It's for them. We're already in. It's for them. It's like taking your kids to Disney. It's not for the adults, it's for the kids, right? We, when we first launched this church, and then I'll tell you the story, then I'll pray. When we first launched the church, we started every launch team meeting, whether it was at our house or later when we were at CrossFit Tustin having meetings there. We would, we would start with a C.S. Lewis quote. And we'd quote him as saying, the church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its non-members church is the only organization that exists for the benefit of its non-members. The shepherd leaves the 99, goes after the one. Leaves the nine coins to find the one. Right? This is what we're about. So let me pray uh, for us. And if you want to be a part of that, let's do this. And if you don't, it's going to be a really uncomfortable church for you to be a part of. Let me pray. God, we just, God, we just want to live a life that matters. 
We want to be a church that makes you smile. We want to be a, a church that when people come, they, they see you, they see your character. God, would you help us to do that? We don't know what we're doing. We're imperfect. We're flawed. Holy Spirit, we need your grace to love like we're unable to love, to have peace and patience. God, I pray that we can reframe what it means to follow you for people who think that all Christians are all sorts of things. God, I pray that we can show them that you are love, that you are you are love and joy and peace and patience. God, help us to represent you well. God, would you help us to wrestle this week with this idea of what it would mean to live for you fully. What would that look like? Build your church, God. Would you help us to reach the people you really love? In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet? And uh, let's sing this one last uh, song together. Simplicity, humility to the way you love me in honesty, purity. God, you make it easy. No special words, no formula could ever win you over. For your love is undeserved. Even when I can't see clearly, somehow you still make it easy. Your love's uncomplicated. You love me just the way I am. So I stand before you. I'm totally surrendered with open hands and open hearts. So Jesus, have your
together. Come on, I, I could sing. time of worship. You know, um, as I was just sitting there thinking about the sermon and different parts of my own life that, you know, sometimes I hold on to really tightly. And, and sometimes it's not even just because I don't want to give it, but sometimes I, I don't know how, if any of you have ever felt this way, but sometimes it's that feeling of, I don't have much. I don't know what I have to give. I don't know if it's that much. I don't know if it's that special. I don't know if it's that great. But if I can just encourage you for a moment that some of the most highlighted stories in the Bible are about people who, who had this much. The woman with the might, right? Um, I think about the little boy with the lunch. I don't know what it is, but maybe you have one small talent. You're like, I'm not even that great. But you know what God specializes in taking a little and making it a lot. He specializes in taking the little things that we have to give, just our smallest talents, our, our smallest amounts of time, and saying, when we say with a sacrificial heart, God, I just want to do good for you. Allow what I have, my time, my talents, whatever it is that I have, the little bit that I have, I give it to you. And he does so much good with that. So if I can just, just challenge each one of you to go, okay, what is this? Even if it's just a little thing that I have, 
can I do this week to make sure that someone in my life hears the good news of how much God loves them? It's good news. It's, it's not, you know, condemnation. This is not meant to be shaming. This is meant to say, God is so good. And anything that I have, I want it to go towards letting people know about how good he is. So if I can just challenge you guys this week to walk away and, and, and pray about that. Ask God, what is it that you want to take of mine? That even if it's small, he can make it great. Um, also, before we go, I just want to let you know that if you have, maybe you, something really spoke to you today and you are needing prayer, um, we're here for you. Please reach out. Um, we're going to be over here at the, at the booth, and we'd love to pray with you at the booth if you're here. Or if you are watching online at home, just go ahead and fill out that connection card and fill out in the bottom that you like prayer, and we would love to pray for you. We don't want you to be alone in this season. So please do feel free to reach out. Also, before we go, um, this is an opportunity for you to maybe do a talk and talk about. We, we always take a moment to do a free will offering at the end of service, so it's really easy. You can either give online at voice.church slash give, or you can drop it off in the generosity box as well. But uh, before we go, I want to go ahead and pray over each one of you. So if you wouldn't mind just taking a moment and putting your hands out just as a sign of surrender and allowing me to pray for you. God, I just thank you so much for every person who took the time to come out here today on this windy, wild day and say, God, I give you my heart. I give you my time. And I'm prioritizing you today. And I just pray that you would meet them right where they are, Lord, that every person who came today, Lord, that you would just fulfill whatever need that it is they're coming to you with today. And I pray that you would speak with us, God. Speak right, right to our very hearts, right where we are. That as we go into this week, God, you would speak through us with the little bit that we have to give, Lord. We give it to you, and we say, God, use my time, my talents. Use it, God, so that other people might know how good you are. And speak through us as a church this week, we pray, Lord. We just pray that you would use us to spread hope, especially in a really hurting world right now, Lord. May we be the voice of hope that people are needing and looking for, God. May we point them to you and show them Jesus' name. Amen. Well, you are officially dismissed, but stick around if you'd like to. We would love to play games with you, hang out, talk. Um, it's a beautiful day, so um, we hope to just chat with you for a little bit before you go on and enjoy your awesome day. So have a great week. <laughs>